This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. Welcome back to another edition of First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. I am your host, Eric Kravit, a.k.a. The Krav. A.K.A. Kraven by the Pussy, A.K.A. The Good, the Crab, and the Ugly, A.K.A. So many other craft names out there in the fantasy football ethos, pun not intended. And joined across the internet, across county lines, is the other host of First Down Dynasty. His name is Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy. And greetings, and that is a myriad of nicknames for Kravit, but y'all don't even know the half of it. Half of it we are not even allowed to say yeah, on air. I think that and... was legitimately one like one sixteenth of all the Krav names that have exist or will exist or can per year, exist. Per, per, year, per year basis. Yeah, like uh, right now there's an MCU theme going on where every MCU movie is getting the Krav treatment right now. We have a Krav, we have what Kravda forever. Like there are so like growing up, I knew my name was very memeable and able to be turned into 97 different things. But it wasn't until the last decade happened. I really saw just what people can do by adding the letters K-R before any word, literally any word. Has there ever been um, Pravada Kedavra? Does that ever happen? There has it probably been. has been, but I'm just one of those things. It's been so long and there's been such a myriad. I've forgotten some of the finer ones from over the years. Um, well, I, I want people to tell me what their favorite crab nickname is or crab team name is over on social media or on Twitter or X. It's called now. I don't know where, where, wherever you Twitter was or used to be or still is or will be. You can find us there at FDD underscore ethos. We're also there at BNK Radio. I mean, please, if you come up with great things, share them with us. We're always looking for new material. We've well, probably found a lot of them. Who's but... we? Because I can't say I am. Uh... You contribute. Uh, uh, yeah, but I do it to keep up, not because it's something that I'm excited <laughs> to do. But you enjoy it. Uh, eh? okay Look, you you enjoy our one friends who's the god at this of little like, game like of th- there are ways to go about doing what people do with my name and i understand that my name brings a certain weight and gravitas and people like ha- like me and my name and all that stuff but there comes a point where it's got to be enough where you got to say okay the joke is almost dead let's not put a bullet in its head let's not bury it let's just let it breathe and live out its life the look on your face tells me we're not there yet no we're not there yet god damn uh but please if you it's really actually kind of fun if you come up with anything please share it we always enjoy new material uh grav will get over it eventually he'll probably laugh if he likes it ultimately we covered you know mostly running back and wide receiver rankings. And now we go on to tight end, the last of uh, the positional players. And, you know, a much simpler aspect is tight end. 
Or you could argue it's, you know, probably the most difficult position because you have those elite guys at the top. After that, there's kind of a mid-tier and the drop-off. You could go 50 running backs and wide receivers deep. There, there, There's no such depth at the tight end position. This year, I almost beg to differ. Not because there are so many top-tier tight ends available, but there are a lot of tier three tier four guys that are available. And a lot of those guys are interchangeable. I would say tight ends. And this is what the problem is. Tight ends like 11 through 16, 17 are interchangeable at tight end, you know, being tight end threes and just not good, which is the problem because when you hit the top 12 of a position, you want them to be elite the tight end position, that sort of cushion like Will alluded to, does not exist. There's a lot of mid guys, a couple of upper mid card guys, if you want to get into the wrestling aspect of it. And then there are one or two 100% main eventers will be your guy every year. And I don't care how old he gets until he retires. And I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Travis Kelsey is my undisputed number one tight end in both Dynasty and in redraft it's Travis Kelsey. And then there's a drop off. No, absolutely. And Travis Kelsey being taken like end of the first round, I've seen him go as high as mid first round in redraft leagues. As far as dynasty, I know he's 32. If you're starting up uh, a new dynasty league, do not worry about the fact that he's older. He's still got probably a few years left, not too many, but for right now, he is the God of tight ends. And that is not going to change. His quarterback is not going to change. And, you know, you really can't say that he puts up wide receiver one numbers as a tight end. I almost treat him as a wide receiver one. I don't even view him as a tight end. That's just a bonus. It's very easy to win the positional matchup every single week when Travis Kelsey is your guy. He scored 100 more points than the second tight end last year. Tight end two. Not tight end 12, not tight end 10, tight end 2. That is how steep the drop-off is between Travis Kelsey and literally anybody else that plays the position of tight end. So if you don't get Travis Kelsey immediately, just know that you are likely at a disadvantage when it comes to fielding a tight end. But fret not, there are other top-tier level options And I'm going to go ahead and say that TJ Hawkinson is my second tight end at this very moment. Hooked up to Kirk Cousins for at least this year. And I don't, I really don't see Minnesota moving on from him anytime soon. They might get an extension done before the season starts. Who knows? You don't know. I don't know. He's flanked by Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and KJ Osborne. The running game there is a little bit suspect with Alexander Madison being the lead guy at the moment. But TJ Hawkinson came in and immediately made an impact. He was on pace for 100 targets in a uh, 17-game span when he came over from Detroit. TJ Hawkinson is going to eat. He's never going to see double coverage more than a couple of times a game, and those times will come when Justin Jefferson is off the field if they happen to throw the ball when Justin Jefferson is not on the field. He's a target hog. He's a threat in the red zone. I mean, he'll never be the main guy because Justin Jefferson obviously exists, 
but TJ Hawkinson shows up really good at football. He's a threat over the middle of the field and he and Kirk Cousins showed immediately immediate chemistry last year. I think that's going to carry over with the full off season program together, training camp together, preseason together. TJ Hawkinson in my estimation is not easily the second best tight end, but I think he can be picked over both Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts and George Kittle comfortably. And I know you're a big George Kittle guy, so I meant no disrespect. I mean, that's fine. I have Hawkinson as my number three tight end. Um, he's going to be good. Can't complain with anything you said. And he basically, you know, tight end as opposed to receiver, but basically replaced Adam Thielen in that offense. Even though Addison's there, he is going to be the number two. Uh, I still have Mark Andrews ahead of him. I know that was a bad year last year, but just the fact that there are weapons on the outside now, if, you know, Lamar stays healthy, Dobbins is there. You have a lot of threats everywhere. Andrews is still the safety blanket and is still the number one option in the red zone outside of Lamar himself. So I still have Mark Andrews number two. And then I have TJ Hawkinson number three. And yes, I do love me some George Kittle. And I have him falling in right behind at number four. I also have George Kittle at four. I obviously will have Mark Andrews at three. It didn't really show much last year because Lamar was hurt, but Mark Andrews was a monster when he was on the field with Lamar Jackson. The year before, he was a monster with Tyler Huntley as somebody who had a lot of stock in Mark Andrews last year. I was hoping the success would carry over into 2022, and that was very much not the case. Still finishes a top five tight end, which is how bad the tight end position has been as of late. But Mark Andrews, like Will said, somebody who could very easily really bounce back and have a monster season. He's only 27 years old, so he's going to still be a threat for years to come. And TJ Hawkinson is only one year younger at 26. So you have Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson for quite some time. George Kittle, 29. My only issue with George Kittle is that he gets hurt and he gets hurt often. And I know you could say that about a lot of people, but you look up and more likely than not, you see George Kittle not playing. And it sucks because with Brock Purdy on the field in the seven or eight <sighs> games he played, George Kittle had 42% of his yards for the entire season and had seven touchdowns. He is a Brock Purdy guy and Brock Purdy is a George Kittle guy. And it turns out that Brock Purdy is ready to start the year and he'll be, he'll have all the reps. He'll be healthy enough to begin the season as the QB one in San Francisco. So in redraft, I'm 100% targeting George Kittle. If I mean, given the option to. Even in Dynasty, like he does miss a few games. He missed the first two games last year, but played the rest of the season. He missed three games the year before. So, uh, yes. I mean, three games three is almost, ago. yeah, three games is almost 20% of the season, Will, plus a yeah, bye and, week. And pretty much everybody misses two to three games. I mean, every running back misses at least one or two. Well, that's why every they've been losing stock lately. Most tight ends miss at least one game. Receivers, I mean, they're the, probably the healthiest outside of quarterback, but. Even they still typically miss a game. So I'm not saying Kittle is a model of perfect health, but he's not quite, he's missing half the season every year. He's definitely at the very least one of the most consistent tight ends. When he's on the field, he is absolutely one of the most consistent. I can't argue with you and I won't argue with you on that. Can't. Right. 
I so can't do it. He's just, still on the field 85% of the time. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, part of why we're fading Debo, at least I'm fading Debo this year, is how I feel about Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. I really want to be that guy and put Dallas Goddard above Kyle Pitts. Like, Don't I be that really guy. want to be that guy. Um, I won't. I do have Kyle Pitts as my number five tight end, which is such a fall from grace for this guy. He was touted as the next Tony Gonzalez, the next Travis Kelsey. And right now he's barely the next Pat, Pat Fryermuth. And they were in the same draft class. Pat Fryermuth had a better, has had a better career so far than Kyle Pitts has. And I think he's going to take an even further step back because that offense is going to run through B. John Robinson. I'm not sure Drake London is going to have much of a role. They're going to run the ball 35 to 40 times a game. Desmond Ritter will throw the ball maybe 15 to 18 times. That's going to be a run first team. He basically has Arthur Smith is he in this situation has a younger and flashier Derrick Henry in the backfield. And we know how bad, how badly Arthur Smith abused the fact he had Derrick Henry when he was in Tennessee. Now he has B. John Robinson. That offense is going to I'm, I'd be shocked if they don't lead the lead the league in rushing attempts. Um, it's possible. I still think, you know, Pitts and London are gonna get theirs. I think most of the targets are gonna go through the two of them. London with Ritter had a thirty five percent target share at the end of the year last year. Pitts unfortunately was banged up at the end of the last year, so you really didn't get to see him with Ritter too much and you know the one thing with Pitts is the quarterback situation since he's been drafted has been really bad so you're hoping a little bit of rapport a little bit of working with a a younger quarterback that has a little bit of a lively arm can help I definitely think that they are going to be a run first team I don't think it's quite going to be as run heavy as you are anticipating I know everyone's on the Uber Bijan hype train I'm not one of them I <laughs> he's going to be good. I have to unmute myself. I have to unmute myself for this one. Okay. Are you out of your mind? You're not on the B. John hype train. I'm on the, he's a great running back train. I am not on the fact that people think he's going to touch the ball 45 times a game. And I've heard that multiple places. It's not going to happen. It's just not. They abuse running backs, but they're not going to do that to a guy they drafted eighth overall. This is not going to be Ezekiel Elliott that's done at the age of 27. You're an insane. That's that 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 that's where the running back position is gone. That's exactly where we are in the running back timeline right and now. And I'm Will. telling you, he's smart enough to not be that guy when he's up for a contract. Listen, Tyler Algier ran for a thousand yards last year, and they Ex- rode him. You you realize you're proving my point. No, I'm they not. They have three running backs on the roster. Bijan is not touching the ball 30 plus times a game. I'm not As saying he's, I, I, I didn't say he was. I said the team is going to run 35 to 40 times a game. Some Maybe. of that will be Tyler Algier. Some of that might be Cordero Patterson. It will be Caleb, uh, not Caleb Huntley. Yeah, no, yeah Caleb, Caleb Huntley. Huntley, because they cut him because he failed the physical. It won't be Caleb Huntley. The thing with the thing. The thing. Yeah, the, the thing with the place and the people and the thing. But getting back to the point, B. John is going to see at least 20 touches every single game, whether those are receptions or carries. He's going to see targets out of the backfield. That's going to be the B. John Robinson show for at least the next couple of years. And I think Drake London 
is going to be the person to, I don't want to say take advantage of the situation, but I think he is going to be more productive in this style offense than Kyle Pitts would be. Because in Tennessee, Arthur Smith was still able to keep A.J. Brown productive. He's going to do his best to keep Drake London productive. And John Smith was the tight end in Tennessee during Arthur Smith's tenure. And wasn't Delaney Walker before that? Yeah. So I, I Kyle Pitts slots in comfortably at five behind Kittle, Hawkinson, Andrews, and Kelsey. I think you and I are in agreement on that. We also are in agreement that up to this point, it has been a disappointment for him. We expected Kelsey, not necessarily Goddard. Uh, I mean, I, I think Atlanta would be thrilled at this point in his career if Kyle Pitts turned into Dallas Goddard, who coincidentally is the next tight end on my list. Mm, mine too. Well, would you look at that? Um, He is a will killer, which automatically bumps him up a few spots on, on my rankings. Anybody who could take will out of playoff contention to make my life easier is a, is a good friend of the crab. I'm dropping him three spots as of right now. You're a garbage. You, I mean, you could do what you want with your <laughs> rankings, man. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I will tell you what I would do. And if I needed a tight end in the seventh round and I'm staring dead in the face at Dallas Goddard, I'm doing it. Hell, I might even get a little frisky and think that he might be a good flex guy. He's obviously behind Devonta Smith and AJ Brown on the depth chart when it comes to people who Jalen Hurts is going to be looking at when he's going to throw the ball. But when healthy, he's very productive. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. He always seems to be open in the red zone. And he's a will killer. Did I mention that? Did I mention how he knocks you out of playoff contention more often than not? Playoff contention, no, but he just beats me every week that I face him. I think it's very important that people know that. Anyway. Um, I do like him in general, but the thing is for most of the time that he has been the pain in my side, he's always been like the number two, like passing option in most of those years. This past year was not the case. Obviously you have AJ Brown and now you have Devonta Smith and now you have Jalen Hurts that both throws and runs. You have a strong running game. You have Penny, uh, Swift. Uh, in addition to Hertz running. So all of a sudden I look at the different options as far as where Hertz is going to go with the ball and Goddard kind of drops to number four for me now between the running back and the two wide receivers. Does so, it make any difference to you that today Rashad Penny received most of the running back one wet, running back one reps? That was hard. Only because you made it so, but ultimately I don't think it matters much at the moment. Well, what I think you could see, it, especially in a ploy to keep Swift healthy, is Penny's going to be the back they abuse out of the two, as far as between the tackles. Swift will get change of pace work, but I would not be surprised if you saw Swift as the slot receiver more times with Penny as the running back at the same time. Would not surprise me at all. Interesting, 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 interesting. I don't hate that. I mean, we've seen in Detroit that DeAndre Swift does have the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and I'm sure that if he were to line up in the slot, and if you've been following Will and I for the many years that we've been doing this podcast, you know we like our receivers ridiculously slotty. The slottier, the better, except Julian Edelman and Wes Walker, and that's just because we're Jets fans. 
It has nothing to do with them as people. We we're just salty that they were so good out of the slot. No, I love myself some Julian Edelman. Um, and you mentioned him earlier. Pat Framuth has had a better career than Kyle Pitts to this point, which is in fact absolutely true. And he is my number seven tight end. And young quarterbacks, especially in Pittsburgh, love their tight ends. And I think he's going to have a fantastic year. Your wide receivers. I mean, Pickens, solid. Obviously, Deontay Johnson, solid. But is Pickett really able to maximize his wide receivers? I don't know. But Pat, I think they had a pretty good connection last year. I'm going to disagree with you on that. <gasps> I know. We finally have like a little bit of a discrepancy here. Oh, well, I kind of like it. For that whole previous segment. But anyway, we're going to move <laughs> on. Um, I know I don't have Pat Fryermuth at my seven. Um, but I'm torn between two people to put there. I'm deciding uh, between David and Joku and Dalton Kincaid. That and is I know, my eight and nine. And I know Dalton Kincaid is a rookie, and rookie tight ends really do not tend to show up. We were expecting with Kyle Pitts, didn't do a damn thing. We were expecting it with other people, and it just hasn't worked out the way that we wanted it to. But the reason why I believe in Dalton Kincaid's rookie year more than I believe in other people's is that, one, Josh Allen is throwing him the ball, not Marcus Mariota and not um, uh, Desmond Ritter. So that automatically is a plus for uh, Dalton Kincaid. Secondly, his um, competition is Dawson Knox, who we have seen play very well when healthy. Didn't they sign O.J. Howard, too? So they have a couple of... No, he's down in uh, the with the Raiders. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. That That's the other rookie tight end. I was thinking of Michael Meyer. My mistake. And he's on this list somewhere, too. Keep tuned in to see where he ends up. <laughs> Look at that dangle. Um, but the biggest, the, the biggest reason I am a Dalton Kincaid rookie season believer is that his only competition outside of Stephen, uh, Stephen Diggs is Gabe Davis. Oh, no. And like Will and I are very consistent in our views. We're very stubborn. We've been doing this for a long time. And if you've been following us, you know that Will and I, especially last year when people were falling over themselves to find a way to get Gabriel J. Don't look that up. Middle name here. Davis on their rosters. We said he's all yours. We will let you have him. You want to get him a round later than his ADP? Be my guest. You want to get him five rounds later than his ADP? Let me help you with that. Will and I saw right through the facade that was the Gabe Davis playoff game. And we have been rewarded by that because we have stayed away from him. And at least that, from that standpoint... We have been successful. So Dalton Kincaid really is not running into much competition outside of Stefan Diggs. And Stefan Diggs is going to get his regardless. Kincaid could put up wide receiver, could be the wide receiver too in that offense out of the tight end position. So I think I'm tempted to put him above Fryermuth and Njoku at my number seven. You're muted, bud. I mean, that's fine. I get it. Um, I put Pat there. I do have those guys in order. I have David and Joku as my eighth, and I have uh, Dalton Kincaid as my ninth. 
Dalton, I I definitely feel like, you know, as a rookie, you're absolutely right. Tight ends typically do not have great rookie seasons. Usually takes some time because they are required to block and know different schemes as well as all their entire route tree. But beyond that, because Dawson Knox is already there and already a hybrid tight end, that he is definitely going to, you know, absorb some of that so that they can use the prowess of Dalton Kincaid, you know, a little bit more his rookie season. So I do agree with you. I just, Njoku with a, you know, now locked in away from all the drama to Sean Watson, I definitely think is a little bit better. And Njoku had like a mini breakout year. His statistics weren't fantastic, but there was a good stretch especially, you know, the beginning of the year, he dealt with some injuries. He didn't miss, I think he missed like one or two games. But the beginning part of the year, he was soaking up targets, and he, behind Amari Cooper, was that number two weapon. So I definitely think, you know, he's going to be a lot more consistent with Deshaun Watson a year in and a year, you know, working with everybody. So what you're saying is that you're not scared of Elijah Moore? Well, as a Jet fan that has seen Elijah Moore, I definitely think Elijah's got some potential, and I definitely think Deshaun Watson is going to do a lot better being in a better place than Zach Wilson was. I definitely think that he could take some targets, but I definitely think you're going to see them with a full training camp working with Deshaun. You're going to see a more balanced offense. I am definitely on the Nick Chubb hype train. Um, I know people like Ford, but ultimately it is going to be, he is going to be the bell cow back there. But I definitely think they've been so run heavy and afraid to throw the ball with their previous quarterbacks. I definitely think it's going to be more balanced. So I definitely think those are the three weapons outside of the running backs that they're going to use. So I definitely think there's going to be a balance there and there's room for Njoku, Cooper, and more. I can see that. Um, I have, like I said, both Kincaid and Njoku over Fryermuth. And rounding out my top 10 and we saw reports yesterday that sort of solidify this if healthy. And again, huge. If he's the oldest tight end, uh, second oldest tight end that we've spoken about. Uh, just uh, he he's only younger than Kelsey. He's older than everybody else, but the chemistry and relationship between Daniel Jones and Darren Waller already this training camp is already the talk of the town. If you go on Twitter or X or threads or whatever your social media of choice is at this point, even though they're literally all the same goddamn thing. Um, if you follow beat writers for the Giants, the only thing that they're talking about now that Saquon Barkley has signed, by the way, Saquon Barkley has signed. We'll talk about that towards the end of the program. Is that Darren Waller and Daniel Jones have some sort of a chemistry it's almost like they've been dating for quite some time. Again, this is all just the reports coming out of camp. You can follow Connor Hughes for that. You can follow a lot of guys on Twitter for that. But Darren Waller, 30 years old, so he's not going to be playing for too much longer. If you're if you're in a win-now build, I'm taking a guy like Darren Waller over a guy like Pat Fryermuth, over a guy like Dalton Kincaid. If you're going win now, if you're just trying to build the best team you can, Waller obviously takes a step back in the dynasty sense. But for redraft, I am a huge Darren Waller guy this year. He's easily the best receiving option the Giants have, especially because Jalen Hyatt left camp today with an injury. Don't know what that's about quite yet. 
but it looks like it's going to be the Darren Waller show. And I am excited to be the conductor of that train. I do like Darren Waller and I have him next as well, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere. What his best years were with the Raiders. I don't think he's going to have like 10 catch a hundred yard games. I definitely think it's going to be much more muted. I think he's going to have, you know, okay games for tight ends. You know, he may have five for 50. Um, I definitely think you're more going to see like four catches for 45 to 60 yards, but like two or two or three touchdowns out out of those catches. I think you're more likely to see a guy put up like five, 600 total yards on the season, but have 10, 11, 12 touchdowns by the time the season's over because I definitely think he's going to be a better red zone threat because you're correct. Outside of Isaiah Hodgkins, they really do not have any size among their wide receivers. Hyatt is 5'9". Um, I think Wandale Robinson is like barely six feet, maybe. And Paris Campbell's like 5'11". So they don't really have a lot of size on the outside with their receivers. Saquon is Saquon. Daniel Jones can run it in. Uh, the number one option in the red zone, I think, after Saquon would be Darren Waller. I definitely see double-digit double digit touchdowns, but I do not see high yardage totals for him this year. It's okay. And listen, Isaiah Hodgins had an amazing year last year for him, mm-hmm. right? Like, nobody saw him. He was a midseason acquisition, came over from Buffalo. He was just there to fill out the wide receiver room. So the That's question it. there is... Was it that Buffalo was just stupid and didn't realize what they had or that he was a great player on an absolutely deprived team that force fed him the ball? I mean, it's definitely more the latter than it is the former. And also, we forgot about a huge giant signing, Cole Beasley, another <laughs> really slotty Brian Dable guy. They like Tiny him short. Guy. Yeah, they like him nice and short. So it's not totally impossible for these wide receivers the, the issue with the Giants they have nine of the same guy they're, they're all sort of shifty gadgety kind of guys who are a little bit smaller they have nobody to take the top off the defense they don't have a great hands guy they don't have even a, a slightly better than mid wide receiver on the outsides to really sort of make plays a lot of their guys are give them the ball at the line of scrimmage and let them try to be elusive, kind of like Debo. And we've seen what's happened with Debo with all of his injuries. Wondell Robinson had a couple of great games last year, but he's already suffered the injury bug and he's starting this training camp on the PUP. So we're not going to see him for quite some time. We don't know what the deal is going to be with the Giants in the receiving room. Uh, who, who do you think plays more games this year? Darren Waller. Or Sterling Shepard? It's not even a question. It's Darren Waller. By one? <laughs> I, I, I would say by like four. Sterling oh, Shepard has glass bones and he has paper skin. He's that guy that swindles SpongeBob and Patrick out of all of their chocolate. That is who Sterling Shepard is. Fair enough. Moving um, down to uh, <laughs> tight end 11. And for me, this is a guy that I'm keeping a lot of eye on. A lot of eyes on. And it's because of, it's because of Sean Payton. I was right. I was gonna I was gonna guess I would have been wrong so now I'm not gonna guess anymore. Oh, please, please don't guess. It's Greg Dulcich, and it's I'm excited. I'm excited for Greg uh, Dulcich because a lot of people are expecting him 
at least in a Sean Payton offense, to be some sort of semblance of Jimmy Graham, who, by the way, just re-signed with New Orleans, which is kind of ridiculous. Is he, oh, is he a walking corpse at this point? No, but uh, we're going to take him in the fourth, and we're going to like mm. him. Um, that Denver offense is going to be totally different than what it is right now come the trade deadline. And you, you, you could take me to the bank on that. I think Cortland Sutton is going to find a different home. The world, the world is excited for Tim Patrick. And you know how excited that makes me. I have been a Tim Patrick truther since day one. Javante uh, Williams all of a sudden looks like he's going to be ready to begin the season healthy. They did sign Samaj P. Ryan, but his role might be lessened uh, depending on how much they want to bring Javante into the fold to begin the year. So I think from weeks 10 on, Greg Dulcich is going to be a guy who can probably win you some weeks, especially in the tight end matchup if you're not going up against Travis Kelsey. Keep an eye on Greg Dulcich moving forward this season and beyond if you're looking to snag a late tight end. Nope, can't argue with that. But I have him a little bit further down. I think I have him 13 or 14 on my list. At number 11, I have our friend uh, Coop's favorite tight end of all time, um, Mr. Evan Engram. And the man just got paid. And, you know, obviously now they have a little bit better receiving core this year, a little bit deeper between Zay Kirk and now Calvin Ridley. But Evan Engram as long as he is healthy, is very capable and proved it last year. So I definitely think with Trevor Lawrence, if there's growth there, there's more room for everybody. Give me Evan Ingram at number 11. I understand what you're saying about Evan Ingram. Uh, the one thing that I don't necessarily agree with you on is his placement on the offense. Christian Kirk is back. Zay Jones is back. Travis Etienne out of the backfield. Now you have Tank Bigsby and the triumphant return of Calvin Ridley. I don't know where Evan Engram factors in with all of this, but I'll tell you who does, and it's the good people over at Sports Ethos, specifically those people that provide the draft guides for you for football, for basketball, and for baseball for the 2023 and 23-24, if you're looking at basketball fantasy seasons, there's already over 60 pieces of content produced. And by the time draft season is all said and done, there's going to be over 200 pieces of content for you to consume for every sport you could possibly think of. Who knows? They might have a hit piece on Evan Engram on there. And you can get access to the football specifically the football draft access draft guide for only $4 a month. That's it. Just $4 a month. And if you want to upgrade, get all the basketball and baseball content, you can get all three sports for just $7 a month. That's it. Once fantasy basketball season rolls around, that price bumps up. It's only $10, so it's not bank breaking you can get it for seven instead of ten so go ahead do yourself a favor go over to sportsethos.com find yourself a way to subscribe and get all three of those draft guides for just seven dollars a month and while you're on the website go over to twitter take a look at ethos fantasy fb 
You can also find us at FDD underscore ethos and at BNK radio. I love Evan Engram. I want to make that perfectly clear. I've been a fan of his for a while when he was on the Giants, our friend Andrew Cooper, the coop on Twitter and X and whatever. Side note, if you're looking for tight end specific content on social media, this dude is your guy. He is the tight end guru. And I'm not just saying that because he likes women. He can give you most obscure facts, the most obscure stats about any tight end that's come through the NFL over the past 30 years. He's somebody to keep an eye on if you really need some tight end specific news. Just tight end specific news. Um, Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Have you been hearing all this Sam Laporta hype coming out of Detroit camp? Yeah, but if you're going to tell me you're putting him next, I that's a little high for my blood. Well, think about who's around there. You have Cole Komet, who just signed his deal today. $50 million over four years. Sorry, I had to hiccup. That's my next guy. <laughs> Cole Komet's your guy. Then you, have Michael, guy. then you have Michael Meyer. You have uh, you have Chiggy Smalls. I, I don't know how to say his entire name, and I apologize for that. Chigosium Aquanquo. Chikosium Aquanquo. Yes. Oh, rolls off the I, tongue. I believe that's as accurate as I can make it. Chikosium Aquanquo. Okay. You have Trey McBride, Dalton Schultz, and Juwan Johnson rounding it out. I would put Sam Laporta over every single one of those guys, except maybe Michael Meyer. And before the DeAndre Hopkins signing, I would have put Chikosium Aquanquo above him as well. However, that DeAndre Hopkins signing over there in Tennessee slides Chiggy Smalls down my board a little bit. I still have him in the top 20, but I have Laporta over him right now. I have Komet over him, and I have Michael Meyer over him right now. And I think all three of those guys are justified. Um, I'm I'm deciding. The I mean, only basically, person... Here, we ahead. have the same guys. It's just the order in the next, like, five, basically. Um, I put Komet up just because I finally think people have been waiting on him. I finally think that this would be you know, the time. And he finally started showing a little bit more consistency the second half of last year as Justin Fields kind of got it going. Uh, right after him, I have Dulcich, and then I have the guys you're talking about as far as Meyer and Laporta and Aquanquo. That's, you know, can we do the Albert O thing where we just call him like CO for his initials or something? Because this one's going to be a horrible one to try to get. I mean, on, listen. To try, to try to get a read on. I've been calling him Chiggy Smalls from uh, day one last year. And I will continue to call him Chiggy Smalls until I'm told otherwise. <laughs> um, I think, though, so basically I have all, all of them as a toss-up. All, all these guys after I have Komet, it's first or second year guys pretty much this entire stretch. My next five are Dolchich, Mayer, Laporta, um, Chiggy Smalls, and then Trey McBride right after. Um, and don't sleep on McBride either. Uh, I know they still have Ertz, but he's now banged up, at least currently, without uh, DeAndre Hopkins there anymore. You're dealing with Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, who's always hurt right now. And then there's there's room. So I think Trey McBride can make a big jump in year two as well. The real important question with this group is Michael Mayer is definitely a three, is a four down tight end if necessary. 
can block and can catch. I feel like he's not going to be great his rookie year. I definitely think they are going to take it slow with him. Uh, as you said, depending on, you know, what kind of tight end you are because he's a multifaceted tight end, because he's going to be required to block because he has that skill set, that's going to hinder him a little bit as a rookie, as far as production. But the important thing with Michael Meyer, how many Mike Meyer masks do you expect to be in the stands? Because I just see that being like a thing from day one. Which Michael Myers? Michael Michaels, oh. Michael Myers from Halloween or Michael Myers from Austin Powers? I was picturing the Halloween one with the gray, with the black, like the gray mask with the black. I understand. Like but, fit but, in a little bit better. But I don't I, think uh, I don't think the other one really fits. You really don't think Mike Myers is going to be somebody to be like, OK, no problem. I think I could handle this and license out some sort of a deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. Come on. Austin Powers in Las Vegas is a movie that one should have been made already and two can go wild in an NFL atmosphere. You tell me that they're not going to have an Austin Powers day. Fat bastard should be their mascot now. <laughs> that would he's, certainly be entertaining. He eats because he's unhappy and he's unhappy because he eats and the Raiders contribute to that unhappiness because they never win it literally writes itself and he could be the tight end over michael meyer boom done brought it full circle next <laughs> anyway um yeah so as i was saying that's the order of my next group of tight ends um cheeky smalls definitely gonna have some opportunity they have burks now they have hopkins and they have him those are kind of your big three receiving threats obviously with Derrick Henry as well. Um, but like I said, I do like McBride. I don't think there's a lot of um, locked-in options this year. And, you know, the last five games of the year, you know, averaged about four catches a game and had, you know, one touchdown, his lone touchdown of the season. But the yardage started going up, uh, 28, 55, 78, 41 in the last few games. So... Definitely one of the guys that I think could make a jump in this group would be, that could surprise you a little bit would be McBride. And let's see, outside of this, you know, that kind of is like your top 20-ish, maybe 15, 16, I don't even know where we're at anymore. Um, but after that group of like the young tight ends, then you kind of start getting into the depth tight ends, a little bit less proven young guys um, and like randoms. Um, leading that group, I have like Dalton Schultz. There's not a lot of known weapons in Houston. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. So he might be, you know, as probably the most veteran receiving target. He could end up being something. I have no idea. But now you're talking about shots in the dark and depth pieces more than starters. <sighs> Who are you talking about, Kate Otten? No, I wasn't even mentioning Kate Otten. This was I, Dalton I know you're Schultz. a big Kate Otten guy. I do like Kate Otten. So he is around here, but, you know, you don't know what that quarterback situation is going to look like this year. But pretty much, you know, I don't really trust Tampa Bay's offense. Obviously, Godwin and Evans, but we'll see what it looks like with Baker Mayfield, you know. Uh, you have Jawan Johnson from New Orleans, who surprised at times last year, but he'll be battling, you know, Taysom Hill will be taking some snaps now, as you mentioned earlier. Jimmy Graham taking some snaps. No idea what that's going to look like. Gerald Everett 
on paper sounds like a fantastic option never puts it together because Herbert loves his wide receivers, the new highest paid man in like league history. I'm pretty sure. So Everett, you know, he's not the potentials there because that offense is always going to be dangerous, but between Keenan Allen, if he's healthy, Eckler, Quentin Johnson, and obviously Mike Williams, not a whole lot going around, which is unfortunate. Then you have guys that, you know, this year, Maybe there's something that could still happen. Hard to say. But you have guys like Kadon. You don't know what's going to happen there. Mike Kosicki in a new place that loves tight ends in New England. Maybe that could be something. With Hunter Henry, they kind of get back to, obviously, not as talented as, but like the grunt. Aaron is where they use two tight ends a little bit better, which they tried with Janu, but that quite, didn't quite work out. And Janu moved on down to Atlanta. And after that, it's just shots Johnny. in the... I don't trust Janu. Well, of course you don't. Besides, he's backing up Kyle Pitts now. But <laughs> Mike Kosicki, a guy like Mike Kosicki with Bill Belichick, I think is very intriguing. I like mean, he was there throw. last year, wasn't he? You didn't really. Oh, he was, no, much. he was on. He was, oh, Gusecki, he was on oh I, I'm year. thinking of Hunter Henry. No, no, I'm talking about Kosicki specifically. Yeah. I saw a report earlier today that they're going to sort of rotate everybody in and out, all the tight ends, all of the wide receivers. Just keep everybody as fresh as they possibly can. They have wide receivers. Um, they have Juju Smith-Schuster, and they have a makings of a receiver. Okay, and Devonta Parker. Oh, and uh, shit. They they the draft pick. Hold boot. on, I'm thinking. They have the draft um, pick. Boot. Bo- booty bout, but he's been terrible. They're probably going to mm. cut him. I'm trying to. He's think been that about, bad. Yeah, they have Tyquan Thornton. They drafted him. Mm. Yeah, they have nobody. Um, so it's Juju, it's Devante, and it's Gesicki. So yeah, I could see where you're coming from, one hundred percent. Um, young guys that could potentially make an impact, like young, other tight ends, deeper tight ends. Luke Schoonmaker, um, for Dallas. Uh, Darnell Washington, not expected to be heavily involved this year, but a guy that has immense physical talent with Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pat Frymuth is the incumbent. Uh, which is why that's kind of more of a dynasty stash kind of thing. But the physical gifts are there uh, for Darnell Washington. And, mm, you know, after that, I mean, I think a guy that's being drafted fairly late is our own for New York Jets, Tyler Conklin, simply as the fact that he is the tight end of Aaron Rodgers. And that has been typically a good spot over the years. I don't know. I mean, he he was throwing a Robert Tunyon. He was throwing. Who's that old dude that we almost brought in? Whose name is eluding me right now? Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, Mercedes Lewis is a blocker. He's not a receiver anymore. I mean, he's throwing. He he can throw to C.J. Uzuma. He can throw to Tyler Conklin. He can throw to anybody. He. I mean, the tight ends that we have. You know, Zach Koontz, we just drafted Tyler Conklin, like I mentioned. Who Who's the kid from Levittown? Jeremy Rucker. Like, we got, Rucker. like, awkward guys at tight end. I don't think we have anybody there who's really going to stand out. And besides, That's what Rogers is for. It's the Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard show once he, uh, once he comes back. Well, it's the Wilson show, at least. Yeah. Hey, there's always Brevin Jordan. I don't want to talk about that. I've 
<laughs> that, that might be one of my worst uh, worst takes of all time. And I once said that uh, the Vikings play outside in their new stadium, <laughs> which has a roof for those of you who did not know. That is how bad my take on Brevin Jordan was. It was worse than that. I'm trying I to do think have of... yeah, go ahead. Give, give, <laughs> no, give no, us no, whatever no. you got. Give us whatever you got. I'm I here. do have one late tight end that I actually do really, really like. Um, Kravit, you know I'm a huge George Kittle guy. Yes, you are. But you are right. He is getting older. He does tend to miss some games. And reportedly, they are trying to cut him down so that he's not playing every snap anymore, which is kind of a segue. In like two years, he may be obviously a shell of himself. He doesn't have that many more years uh, to go being who he is. The San Francisco 49ers drafted a tight end this year, Cameron Latu. And he is evidently the incumbent next tight end to George Kittle. And I think that is a very good like last round or towards the end of the draft stash tight end that I would like to see in two years where he's at. I think that's so a there's good a good one. depth piece. Um, You had mentioned Dallas, but I think you mentioned the wrong tight end. I think Jake Ferguson is going to be the guy to own in Dallas. Well, yeah, he's definitely the incumbent. I think Shoemaker was the rookie. Yep. So that's why I'm kind of for dynasty purposes. I mean, always Fer- going to go with the uh, Ferguson was a rookie last year. It's not like he's 10 years in the league on his way out. This is very, very true. <laughs> Come on. But how, how, I mean, how will, how will either way, are? this is like the fifth option on the Dallas. Office Listen, Jake best. Ferguson is 24 years old. And you want to guess how old Luke Schumacher is? 23, 24 years old. Oh, hot diggity dog. Right. They're essentially the same player. Whoever ends up being the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, whether it be Schumacher, whether it be Ferguson, is definitely, definitely somebody you can keep an eye on much later on draft day if you're looking to maybe snag yourself what could end up being a late tight end two in the 20 to 24 range. I think that's their ceiling right now. And the the lists we're looking at have them in the 30s, which is just appalling to me. Appalling, William. Um, is there was there anyone we mentioned? Obviously, we mentioned the sleet the slate of young tight ends. Anyone outside of the top ten that you could see who's most likely to jump into that top ten potentially? Outside the top ten. I mean, we we mentioned everybody who can potentially jump in, right? Right. But so pick one. What which one guy that you again that you could say that's the one i bet to make that move greg dulcich mm-hmm. i like I, he's going to fill the shoes in a sean payton offense that a jimmy graham would i'm not saying he's going to produce like jimmy graham but if he does or even if he produces at a 50 percent clip 75 percent clip however you want to slice it he's going to have a ton of opportunity to make that jump whether or not he does it is up to him, obviously. But I think he's going to have all the chances that he wants to say, you know what? I'm here. I'm able to do all of these things. I'm giving the opportunity. I'm playing with Russ Wilson, Jerry Judy, Javante Williams, Samaje Piran. Like I said, I think Cortland Sutton is gone by the trade deadline. So he's somebody who I think can immediately step into a role and make sure that he is noticed he is seen and gets the opportunities that I'm sure he feels he deserves. Fair enough. 
Um, what about you? Kravit, I'm going to do it. I'm actually finally going to say it's going to be the Cole Komet year. Wow. Well, when you look at it like this, this you finally have DJ Moore, so you have an outside, a real outside weapon for the first time in Chicago in probably three years. I'm sorry, Miller was not at all the other guys they've brought in and out over the last few years. None of it. So you have a legitimate outside weapon. You have a solid stable of running backs, and you have Justin Fields, who for the last half a year put the fear of God into any defensive lineman or linebacker as far as his ability to run the ball. So now that you actually have an outside weapon to go along with a guy playing up the middle, I think it's going to open up for him a little bit more, and I think there's going to be more production to be had. So I could see, and like we, there's not many other options outside of that. So if he's operating as a number two receiving weapon for Justin Fields, I see the potential there that he could make that kind of joke. As somebody who has a lot of shares of Cole Komet, I won't say no to that. Mm. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I I wouldn't be terribly surprised. I would be happily shocked. Um, if that were to be the case, let us pray. Um, we could also pray on the fact that uh, we'll be back next week because you never know what happens in this crazy, wild world. Um, but I think that's all the time we've got, unless you've got something else to tell the people. No, not really. Uh, we're getting into training camp, which, you know, is fun, especially for us this year. If you did not catch the little undertones here and there, both Krav and I are Jeff fans. So we are pretty much always expecting the worst possible outcome to happen, which is why, at least so far in training camp, I don't know how to feel the fact that I'm still excited and hopeful this late into the off season. And it's still weird because we see clips of training camp we've obviously followed the entire off season and even though i'm seeing him in a jets jersey i'm still like waiting for the other shooter drop like he's gonna retire before week one and this is all gonna be you a horrible your dream your goddamn mouth i'm just saying like it still feels weird it still feels like he's not actually our quarterback don't you feel- ever ever put that into the world again <laughs> How, i am appalled at your behavior I am disheartened at your lack of faith, and that's coming from me, which says something. I need to take a break. I need to shut this down. I need to take care of my dog that's got heartworm. He's Will. You tell me right now before you go to that exit that you thought hasn't crossed your mind once. He's Will. I'm the crab. We will see you next time right here on First Down Dynasty. He pleaded the fifth. Hate this game.